Welcome to Beacon Baptist Church of Lexington, South Carolina. We trust today's podcast will be a blessing to you. It's an honor to have you at Beacon Baptist Church first time, and we're so thankful for you to be here with us this week to preach to us, preacher. Amen. God bless you. Well, it's a joy to be here, and uh, first time coming, and uh, matter of fact, really just met you, pastor, we talked, but just met met when we uh, come through the door there, so uh, you know, and so I can't say we've been friends very long, but (laughs) we've not been enemies neither, so isn't that a blessing? And uh, I was looking around, I didn't know anybody in the building. I wasn't nervous, and I saw Brother brother Raul got up from praying, and then his wife's here, so now I'm really nervous, amen, and uh, I love Brother Gene Raul and his, his family, and appreciate them, but I'm just thankful to be here. I've enjoyed every bit of this service thus far, all the singing and the nice hospitality, and just feel real at home, and just appreciate every one of God's people, amen, and thank you for letting me come, preacher. I sincerely mean that. I want to preach a few moments tonight uh, from Second Chronicles chapter 15. And uh, while you're turning again, I just want to say thank you for the nice room. And uh, me and my wife are certainly thankful for that. A good place to stay. And we appreciate the nice basket you gave us and the hospitality. Amen. And so we pray that God will help us these next few days and that the Lord would get all the glory. Amen. And so Second Chronicles chapter 15. And let's begin reading in verse number 1. The Bible said, And the Spirit of God came upon Azariah the son of Oded, and he went out to meet Asa, and said unto him, Hear ye me, Asa, and all Judah and Benjamin. The Lord is with you while you be with him, and if you seek him, he will be found of you. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. Now for a long season Israel hath been without the true God, and without a teaching priest, and without law. But when they in their trouble did turn unto the Lord God of Israel, and sought him, he was found of them. And the those times there was no peace to him that went out, nor to him that came in. But great vexation were upon all the inhabitants of the countries, and nation was destroyed of nation, and city of city, for God did vex them with all adversity. Be ye strong, therefore, and let not your hands be weak, for your work shall be rewarded. And when Asa heard these words in the prophecy of Oded the prophet, he took courage and put away the abominable idols out of all the land of Judah and Benjamin, and out of the cities which he had taken from Mount Ephraim, and renewed the altar of the Lord that was before the porch of the Lord. Lord. And he gathered all Judah and Benjamin and the strangers with them out of Ephraim and Manasseh and out of Simeon, for they fell to him out of Israel in abundance when they saw that the Lord his God was with him. Let's bow for a word of prayer, then you can be seated. Father, Lord, I do want to thank you tonight for the privilege and opportunity to be in this place. Thank you for your people. Lord, thank you for this dear pastor and his family. And I pray, God, that you'll bless them this week, bless us all in revival meeting. Lord, I do ask that you would grant this church the desires of their heart this week, the spiritual desires, and we pray, God, that you would be glorified. Pray that your son would be magnified, and may the church be edified tonight. I ask you, Lord, to help us to not say anything that would grieve the Holy Spirit. And God, may we see no man save Jesus only, and we'll thank you for it. In Christ's name we do pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated tonight. I want to draw your attention to verse number one, and I want you to notice this prophet here uh, by the name of Azariah. And notice just by way of introduction, when you think about Azariah, this prophet, 
prophet. Uh, we notice just two or three things I'll mention and then I'll give you the message. I want you to see in verse number one the blessing of Azariah's message because when Azariah comes before King Asa, he is a man on a mission and a man with a message. And so he comes to this king here and he has a message, but there's a blessing on this message. And you say, what is that, preacher? Well, uh, the blessing of the message is seen in the authority. The Bible says in verse number one, and the Spirit of God. Now that is the authority of any message. Amen. I know we have to have the truth of God's Word, but we have to have a timely truth. In other words, uh, we have the Word of God. We know that. And nothing needs to be added or taken away. Uh, but when it comes to revival time, when it comes to preaching time, it's more than just having truth. Amen. Anybody can shell out information, but what we've come looking for tonight is we want to hear from heaven. Amen. Uh, we want God to take and give us a timely truth. Well, Azariah has a message here, uh, and there's a blessing, and it's in the authority. The Spirit of God uh, is seasoning the message that he's going to have. And then it's seen in the anointing. Notice the Bible said here that the Spirit of God came upon Azariah, the son of Odeth. In other words, the Word of God came upon this prophet. Now, I think you'll agree with me tonight that no preacher is worth his salt if God don't put a touch on him. Amen? And it doesn't matter how many times we have preached, uh, we have to have a fresh touch every time uh, uh, that we get up to preach. Uh, as the preacher's already said, nobody can bring revival. Amen? It'll take more than a delivery and an outline to have revival. Amen? Uh, you didn't come tonight to see me, and I didn't come tonight to see you, but we all came to see him. Amen? Uh, and Nazariah comes with a message, uh, and there's a blessing on this message. Then I notice the boldness of Azariah's message here in verse number 2, and it's seen in his coming to the king. The Bible said that he went out to meet Asa. Now that's interesting because preacher, you know probably this, uh, in Bible days you didn't go in the presence of a king unannounced and uninvited, uh, uh, but I'll tell you why Azariah could do that. He had already been in the presence of another king that was greater than the king he was going before. And in verse number 2 proves anything, it proves this right here, that the office of a preacher is greater than the office of a politician. Amen? You see, when God had a message for a politician, he didn't send another politician. Amen? He sent a man of God. He sent a prophet. Amen? He sent a preacher. And I want to tell you tonight, the hope of America does not lie in the White House. It lies in the pulpit of God's men that will preach God's message. But there's got to be some boldness. Amen? And it's seen in his coming. And then, and notice it's seen in his crying. Amen? He said unto him, notice this, Hear ye me, Asa, and all of Judah and Benjamin. He cries out. He wants their ear. He that hath an ear, let him hear. You see, in revival meeting this week, uh, you can have the singing, you can have the preaching, uh, you can have everything that you need. But what you need as an individual tonight, and what I mean is I need a spiritual ear to hear what God wants to say to me personally. Amen. Revival's not entertainment. It's coming and getting something for yourself. It's personal between you and God. And then I see this boldness is seen in his clarity. Amen. You know what I like about verse number 2. The message is so clear, isn't it? I mean, look what he says here. He said, the Lord is with you while you be with him. And if you seek him, he will be found of you. But if you forsake him, he'll forsake you. You know what? That message is so clear tonight. You don't need a commentary to figure out what he's saying. Amen. I don't have to interpret.
interpret it. I'm telling you tonight, listen, it doesn't need any explaining. We don't have to break that down. The message is so simple. If you'll be with God and seek God, He'll be found and He'll be with you. But if you forsake Him, He's going to forsake you. Hey, you want to know why America's in trouble tonight? Because she's turned her back on God. Amen? Uh, she's not seeking God and she has forsaken God tonight and we're reaping the benefits of it across this country and we're reaping it in our churches tonight. But I see the blessing and I see the boldness but here's where I want to preach tonight. I want you to notice the beginning of Azariah's message. In verse number 3, look what he says. He's now, he says, now for a long season Israel has been without three things. The true God without a teaching priest and without law. That's important tonight because these things, that true God had to do with their worship. You see, Israel knew how to worship. They knew, preacher, the formality of worship. They knew what was expected in their worship. They knew how to offer sacrifices. They knew how to go through the ritual. They had all the dates on their calendar. They knew what was expected from the beginning of it. In other words, they had a form, a form of godliness, but there's a missing element. Amen? There with Without the true God, amen, because of false gods and false idols that they had brought in to the land. They were still going, they were still worshiping Jehovah. The only difference was Jehovah wasn't showing up, amen. Can I tell you tonight, we've got a lot of people, they still got a building, they still got a crown, and they still know how to conduct a service, but they're missing the most important thing. They're missing the presence of God, amen. They were without the true God. And then the Bible said they were without, uh, notice here in this verse, a teaching priest. That has to do with their wisdom. You see, the responsibility of a priest was to tell people what was right and to tell them what was wrong. Amen? And when a preacher gets up to preach, uh, that's his responsibility. Uh, people want to know what that verse means and how it fits our life. Amen? And a man of God has a responsibility uh, to interpret the Word of God and to make application to our life that's going to help us but Israel was, was without. Amen. You know why we got a younger generation today that doesn't know what old time religion is and doesn't know what uh, serving God is uh, because they've never been taught. Amen. Uh, they've said in churches uh, uh, listen that's not preach the truth. I mean tonight uh, if you're a young person sitting here hearing the truth uh, uh, you ought to thank God for what your ears are hearing. Amen. Israel had been without wisdom without a teaching priest and then uh, don't notice the Bible said without law that has to do with their way of living. You know tonight whenever you have worship without the presence of God and you have te you, you're without teaching and preaching instruction you know what the end result of that is every man does that which is right in his own eyes. People just live any old way. I have to look back through my life, and you know what has helped me and my wife? We met when we were just teenagers, and we stayed under old-fashioned preaching uh, through our teen years and, and 20s and 30s and now 40s. And I'm going to tell you tonight, you know what has salvaged us all these years? Uh, Old-time leather-lung preachers full of the Holy Ghost that would take that King James Bible, and they weren't worried about your feelings. Uh, they weren't worried about the crowd. They weren't worried about a paycheck. They was worried about getting you to God. 
God. Amen. And they was worried about getting you across the Jordan into Canaan land and living a victorious Christian life. And they preached on sin. Amen. And they pointed you to Calvary. I'm telling you, they showed you not just the way of salvation, thank God, but they showed you the way of holiness. They showed you the way of the Spirit-filled life. And thank God it didn't say the law. They had the Word of God. They had the law. But they were without law. You could just do anything you wanted to do. You know, there's a lot of churches like that. You come as you are and you leave as you were. And he begins in verse number four. The burden of Azariah's heart before this king is to help this king get the nation back on the road to revival. And for just a few moments tonight, I want to preach on that, on the road to revival. He's going to give Asa three things tonight that I'll give you and be done that will help him help the people of God get back on the road to revival. The same three things will help us this week to get on the road to revival. You say, what are they? Well, let me say first of all, the road to revival, if you look in verse number four, it's a road of remembrance tonight. He takes him back down memory's lane. In verse number 4, he reminds King, um, King Asa in verse number 4 of Israel uh, when he talks about it, he reminds them of their trouble. He said, but when they in their trouble. Now, I want to say tonight, we've all had trouble in our life, haven't we? Job said, man, this born of a woman is few days and full of trouble. That's Job 14 and verse 1. But Jesus said in John 14, 1, he had something to say about trouble too, didn't he? Amen. He said, let not your heart be trouble. If you believe in God, believe also in me. Somebody said trouble is something everybody's got and nobody wants and nobody knows what to do with. I'd say that's a pretty good definition of trouble tonight. Uh, but we don't have to live in Job 14 1. Uh, thank God we can live in John 14 1. Uh, uh, but America's had trouble tonight. You and I have had trouble tonight. And trouble is often the tool that God uses uh, to bring us to our knees. Amen. Amen. Well, when trouble comes in our life, we ought to do inventory. And he reminds them of their trouble. He reminds them of their turning. As he said, well, Israel in their trouble turned unto the Lord God of Israel. Amen. God used the trouble. He would bring trouble into Israel's life as a nation uh, to get them to turn back to him. And I think we're living in a time when people forget that. But sometimes trouble comes and, and we don't, it, doesn't have, it doesn't have anything to do with our way of living. But we ought to at least check up. Amen. Man, when trouble comes, we ought to ask ourselves, is this in my life because God allowed it, or is this in my life because I've done something to bring it into my life? Trouble can bring you to your knees, can't it? Self-inflicted wounds, self-inflicted reaping what you sow. You don't hear it said much anymore. But if you get out there and you, you live and you make bad choices, hey, those chickens are coming home to roost one day, aren't they? Amen. You're going to reap what you sow. For whatsoever man soweth of that shall he also reap. He that soweth to the flesh shall of his flesh reap corruption. And he that soweth to the, life, so to the spirit shall reap life everlasting. And he reminds them of their turning to God. He reminds them of their trouble. But in verse 4 he reminds them of their triumph. Amen. Because the Bible said that when they turned unto the Lord God of Israel and they sought him, notice this, he was found of them. Yeah. Exactly what he said in verse 2 they had experienced. 
He said, when you, when you turn to God in trouble, God came to your rescue. You know, I can say that tonight. There's, I've not always done right. I've not always been everything that I ought to be, and I'm not saying I am tonight. But I can tell you when I, God has brought things in my life that's brought me to my knees, and I called out to God, and I sought God in my trouble. He came to where I was. He was merciful, and He helped me. Amen. And I'm telling you, God would still help America tonight. God would still help His people tonight if we would just repent, if we'd turn from our wicked ways, amen, if we would humble ourselves and look up, God said He would hear from heaven, He'll forgive our sins, and He'll heal our land, amen. I still believe that tonight, don't you? And I'm telling you, in this text, He remind, we need, you know, that's what revival is. It's reminding us what we need to do. You already know what to do tonight. But I need those reminders, don't I? He reminds them of, of the times, but in those times there was no peace to him that went out. He reminds him of the trend, that great vexation was upon all the inhabitants of the countries, and nation was destroyed of nation, and city of city, and the turmoil. For God did vex them with all adversity. What's he doing? He's reminding them of all the things in their past was providential. Now, I'm not a Calvinist tonight. I believe in a whosoever will gospel. But I do believe in the providential hand of God. I do believe that things do not happen by chance nor circumstance that God is sovereign. He works in the affairs of men. Man still has a will. He's a free moral agent to choose and he can choose to do right or he can choose to do wrong. God is in control but in the end God is still God. Amen. And God brought Israel back time and time again. You say, Preacher, I want to have revival. Well, I want to tell you where it starts at tonight. Oftentimes we think it starts in our heart. But I believe revival starts right here in our mind. I think we've got to start remembering in order for our heart to be where it needs to be at. The road to revival is a road to remember. Secondly, I want you to notice tonight the road to revival is a road of reassurance. In verse 7, he reassures the king, first of all, to be strong. He said, be ye strong, therefore. Can I tell you tonight, we need some strong Christians in this hour. You know what revival meetings should do? It should strengthen the saints, strengthen the church. It's not an hour to roll over, isn't that right? This is not an hour to compromise. This is not an hour to back up. It's not an hour to, to drop your convictions or drop your standards. It's not an hour to, to give in. You know, this is an hour to, to be strong. Amen. The, the Bible said in Ephesians 6 and verse number 10, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. How do we become strong in the Lord? He said, put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Why? For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Hey, there's a spiritual battle going on in our life tonight. And if we're going to serve God effectively, if we're going to have, uh, if we're going to be the Christians that God wants us to be, we must be strong tonight. Amen. You know, I do. I, I'm not a young man and not an old man. I don't know where I'm at right now. I'm out of one league and I hadn't quite joined the next. You know what I'm saying? But I'm quickly getting there, I think. But I live long enough to remember this. See, today people ride by and they'll say, that's a good church. They might even ride by and say, that's a great church. But I do remember the day when people would ride by and say, now that's a spiritual church. 
You see, you got to have more than a, a good choir, and y'all had a good choir tonight. You got to have more than a great choir. You have a spiritual choir. Right? Your church, it's not about uh, all the other things. And don't get me wrong, I'm not against any of those things. But underneath all of that, there's got to be strong families, strong homes. Uh, uh, young people's got a strong youth group, uh, a strong Sunday school teachers. Uh, the church has got to be strong. And the church will never be any stronger than what it is spiritual. And tonight God wants us to do inventory. Are you strong in the Lord? Amen. Are you walking with God? Do you have a personal walk with Him? He, he reassures Him to be strong. He reassures him to be steadfast. Look what he said. He said, let not your hands be weak. You know what that means? It means simply this tonight. Finish, Asa, what you start. Don't put your hand to the plow and start doing this and then give up mid, midway. I mean, listen, you've got to put your hand to the plow and you've got to stay with it. Amen. We need some steadfast saints in this hour. Listen, we need to be reassured to just be, to be strong, but we need to be steadfast. Amen. Listen, I've seen it in every pastor house. You know, when a family comes in the church and they're a blessing and God is using them in the church and they're growing and there's some young families here tonight and you've got some small children and you, God's working in your life and you've got some uh, convictions and principles and standards in your life. Hey, all that's wonderful. But hear me tonight. you got to hold the line when them, like that little, that little one right there crawling back, back down that little hallway right there. Hey, you got to hold the line when they're that age. But you got to hold the line when they become this age. You know I know that? Because I've passed for good families who when their children was this small, they were strong, but they wasn't steadfast. Well, oh, they'd stand up and testify and say, I'm almost by the grace of God. I want to raise my children in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. They'd sing in the choir. Boy, they'd come to church. They was on the fire line. Boy, that preacher, I'm with you till the end. No, you know how long they were with me? I bet you could say amen to this. They were with me until their children became 15 and 16. They were with me until they wanted to go to the prom. They were with me until they, they until, and I'm not against playing ball. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. Uh, but they were with me until their children was more interested in ball than they were Sunday school and Wednesday night prayer meeting. I'm telling you tonight, you can't just be strong. You've got to be steadfast. Amen. You need to make sure you have longevity in church membership. Sure. Make sure you have longevity in Sunday school. Make sure you have longevity. Listen, what you believe today, if you know it's right today, you need to believe it 35 years from now. Amen. You need to stand on it. And you need to stay with the church and stay with the man of God and stay in an old-fashioned, independent Baptist church all the days of your life. And if your friends leave, you stay. You be steadfast. If your children grow up one day and they don't want it, you just stay here. Amen. And you just be steadfast so that when they get want to get right with God, they got a place to come back to. Uh, you don't go where they go. I'm just saying tonight, we've got to be reassured to be strong, to be steadfast. And then uh, to, to be sure tonight, look what he said. He reassures him again. He said, for your work shall be rewarded. I'm going to tell you something tonight. And I know we're not in it for trophies and titles. But some of the rewards that we receive for our faithfulness to God, we're not going to see the benefit and the reward until we get to the other side. Many of God's people have been faithful and have looked like failures. 
but we hadn't finished this thing yet. There's a coming a day when we're going to be rewarded. I'm going to remind you, Calvary looked like a failure. Jesus preached and, and the multitudes followed him, but the closer he got to the cross, uh, the smaller the crowd guy. And the only person that called him Lord at Calvary when he was on the cross was a thief, amen. And everybody had walked away. I'm telling you, there was a few women that followed behind him and one disciple that stood afar off at the cross. Uh, Calvary looked like a, a failure. He didn't look like a king. He he looked like a criminal at Calvary. Oh, but you know tonight Calvary wasn't a failure. Amen. I'm telling you the reward is going to be on the other side. You be steadfast. You be unmovable. You be always abounding in the work of the Lord. A road of revival is a road of remembrance. It's a road of reassurance. And then notice this finally tonight. It's a road of repentance. When we get to verse 8, look what the Bible says. And when Asa heard these words... And the prophecy of Oded the prophet, look at this, he took courage. Now I want to tell you tonight, I know it takes humility to have revival, but it also takes courage. Courage for what? To overcome our flesh. You know, I was sitting in a revival meeting one night, it's been several years ago. I was preaching with a, a dear brother. We was taking, we was preaching each night together, but he would go first one night, and one night I would go first. We would switch it up. The pastor was doing that. And on that particular night, it was his turn to, uh, to preach first. And so uh, the Lord had spoke to my heart about something that, an unfinished sermon. And so I did something I rarely do, but I slipped in the back and was sitting in the back and just listening to the message and taking some notes. And I'm going to tell you, he hadn't been preaching, preacher, about 15 minutes in that sermon. And I started getting under conviction about what he was preaching. And the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart and said, just stop writing and listen. And the further he preached, the more under conviction I got. And the Lord had already spoke to my heart and said, when, he, when the invitation was given, I want you to go to the altar. You know what my flesh said? When I, Lord, I, I got to preach tonight. Now, I know you all more spiritual than I am. You would never, your flesh wouldn't say that to you. But my flesh said to me, because it's wicked. So, well, Lord, you know, I'll just pray here in my seat because I've got to preach tonight. And the Lord said, no, I want you to go to the altar. I think sometimes you can pray in your seat and, and get help. But for me this night, God wanted me to go to the altar. And can I tell you, I didn't want to go to the altar. Is that bad? I reckon it is bad, ain't it? <laughs> my flesh did not want to go. And so the invitation began to play, and I did like any good Baptist would do. I looked around to see for somebody else, you know, to go first. And can you believe in a bunch of stubborn Baptists? Not one of them would move. Amen. <laughs> I thought, Lord, nobody's going to go. And I, it's, I'm in the back. It'd be easier if I was in the front. I wish I'd oh, you always sit in the front. I wish I'd always sit in the front. And I said, Lord, I'm in the back. And I just, and he's like, no, you've got to go to the altar tonight. Nobody was moving. Second verse. Halfway in the second verse, boy, God spoke to me. He said, if you don't go to that altar tonight, you're going to preach by yourself. And I went to the altar. You know, nobody, I don't know if anybody went. I didn't look when I, but when I got up, there was nobody down there. Now, I said all that to say this. I preach. Give invitations. Invite people to come to the altar. But brother, around my flesh is just like everybody else. And it took courage for something that we do all the time. It took courage to do what? I went over there. Nobody cared in that building about me going to the altar except my flesh. I'm not saying that to get you here tonight. I don't want you to come if God don't speak to you. 
I don't expect anything out of you tonight, but I'm telling you tonight, repentance takes courage. Brother, people don't stand up like they used to and confess sins anymore. Well, I tell you, we went through a 16-month period, preacher, one time in our church where some things had happened that really never, I mean, the sin got dealt with, but it got dealt with, but the aftermath, it was just like for 16 months, it was like we couldn't get above it. And one Sunday morning, I got up to preach, and it was, I mean, it was tighter than the bark on a tree. And I, I just closed my Bible. I said, I'm not going to preach this morning. I said, everybody in this building knows how dead it is in here. I said, we're going to go home and eat chicken and pray. And I said, we're going to come back tonight. But I said, we're going to come back Monday night. I said, we really need, not because things are good. We need a touch from God. I said, anybody else here? And everybody raised their hand. They knew it was that same way. I said, we won't have a preacher. I don't know what we're going to do. But I said, I'll try to pray and get a hold of somebody. God did lay a man on my heart. He wasn't, for whatever reason, he, I believe it was God. He had a meeting canceled. And he said, I actually am off this week. So he came. I said, I don't know what we're going to do. But on Monday morning, I'll tell you what God spoke to my heart. He said, here's what I want you to do. He said, I want you to put a microphone. The only time I've ever done this. Put a microphone down there on the altar. And he said, I want you to go down there. I want you to confess some sins. And then I want you to go sit down. And I thought to myself, I said, now, Lord, if I do that and nobody else comes, I'm the only one that's confessed. Well, I'm really having to do some confessing tonight. I don't do that when I preach. That night, I was nervous all day Monday. And I wouldn't advise anybody to do this if God didn't tell it. But that night, I got up and I said some things. And I said, you know, I said, I've been struggling with some things in my life. And here it is. It wasn't. And I said, uh, and I've asked God to help me with it. And I want you to pray for me. And I went and sat down. And I'll tell you, surprisingly, a lady who was a charter member uh, uh, of our church who was about 71 years old at the time, I mean, as, as godly lady as I know, she got up from the back and she come down there and she started confessing some things. And brother, that night for about an hour and a half, we had an old-fashioned confession service. And I'm going to tell you what it did. It broke what 16 months of preaching would not do in our church. You know what it was? We were just coming clean with God. Well, that's how you have revival. You check your heart tonight. You let the Holy Spirit deal with you. And if you don't need to come, don't come. Don't, go, don't come down here just to come. But you come clean with God. You got something in your heart tonight that's grieving the Holy Spirit in your life. You just be honest with Him about it. And if you'll be honest, God will be merciful. Amen. And it took courage. And then it took cleanliness. Notice what the Bible said here, and I'll be done. The Bible said, put away all the abominable idols out of all the land of Judah and Benjamin. You can't have revival without putting some things away. That's repentance. Repentance is more than me just saying, Lord, I'm sorry, but it's me doing something about it. It's me getting the whatever it is in my life that don't need to be there, putting it away. If you, some people say, well, God don't really convict me about this. But I'm going to tell you something. I don't believe that, number one. But number two, I don't have to be convicted where I've been commanded. Once God has already spoken, uh, listen, I don't need a voice when I have a verse. Amen. Amen. When God lays it out there. I mean, if you know it's wrong or you know that you, you, you need to not have that in your life, then, then come to the altar and, and take the initiative and say, God, I think sometimes we ignore him so much we become dull of hearing. I'll tell you something tonight. If we'll get clean, we'll have revival. 
And then it takes a construction. Notice they didn't build until they put away. But they began to repair. The Bible says that they renewed the altar of the Lord that was before the porch of the Lord. And then it took a congregation. Look at verse 9. They gathered all of Judah and Benjamin and the strangers. I will tell you tonight, if we have revival, it takes everybody, doesn't it? It takes everybody. It takes getting the whole church together. Isn't that right, preacher? You want everybody here, don't you, this week? I know people might have to work, and I know things have happened, but you don't want nobody sitting at home watching the Braves tonight. You want them to come to revival, amen? And you want them to go out there and bring a stranger, amen? Get somebody that, that's not even a part of the congregation. Bring strangers in. That's them sinners, amen? And get everybody. Let's pack the y'all got a great crowd tonight. I'm telling you, I come in and thought, boy, it's a great crowd. But that's what we do in revival meeting. We go get people. We, get, we call people. Hey, you wasn't there last night. You need to come tonight. You need to hear some preaching. Amen. We need you. Amen. Amen. Gather everybody together. Repentance. It also takes, notice, a commitment. The Bible says here that they fell to him out of Israel in abundance. That's submission, surrender. When they saw that the Lord his God was with him. You know, I think the reason Israel repented is right there. They had confidence in what they saw. They saw God when Asa, when Asa began to obey the Word of God. And you know, tonight, that's what we need. We need to see God. Amen. I think the reason we don't have revival in a lot of places is because people have learned how to play church. And it's not mystical. I don't think it's nothing sensational tonight. But I do believe it's very practical that if we will just seek God, we'll find Him. If we'll go to God, and if we'll not forsake Him, He won't forsake us tonight. I'm telling you, if somebody came to this altar and said, God, I want revival in my life. I need revival in my life. I, I know tonight if I gave them a well, we all say we need revival, don't we? I mean, who doesn't need revival? But I'm talking about if the Holy Spirit put His finger on something in your life tonight, you know what you ought to do? Just respond. Just surrender. Just lay it on the altar. And say, God, would you help me? And I ask you to do inventory tonight in your life. Now, you don't need to come just because I'm giving an invitation. And maybe this is a service you pray in your seat. Maybe you're not physically able to come and kneel. The Lord knows about those things. But you may be like me, that service, where God emphatically spoke to you and said, No, I want you to go to the altar about a particular thing. Then you obey Him tonight, and He'll bless you. It's just that simple, Father. Thank you for making us part of your day. We would love to hear from you. Please find us on Facebook or at our website, bbclexington.com.